Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the OrcoCast. My name is the Orcosaurus, and in this podcast I'm talking to indie game developers about their games and the video game industry in general. So if you like my show, then please consider subscribing on YouTube, thumb the video up, ring the bell, leave a comment, and if you're listening to one of the many podcast platforms, please consider us giving a review, and if you want to support us, please check out our Patreon. Thank you everyone, and now on to the show. Here we go. Hello everyone and welcome back. This is your EchoCast. This time with me is Antoine. Hello there. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, my name is Antoine Baker from Syracuse, New York. Started my own uh, indie d- uh, game development studio, um, and we're working on our first project right now uh, called Pretty Kitty Fuzzy. I'm me personally. I'm really into sports, uh, basketball preferably, and football. I am a huge anime nut, especially when it comes to like Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball and One Punch Man and everything else under the sun. I'm also trying to actually write comics as well too. It's a lot harder than it than it looks. Well, unless you're, uh, well, if you're talented, it's not hard. If you're a, kind of a hack trying to learn how to be better like me, then <laughs> then it's it's gonna be pretty hard. What else? That's semi interesting about me. Right now, um, I work. Right now, my day job, I work at a GameStop. So when I'm not making video games or trying to make ends meet and have a roof over my head, I deal with hundreds and hundreds of people a day asking me the same question about, well, do I have any PS5s in stock? So that's usually fun. <laughs> it's a question I get tired of every day. And it's sometimes the same people will come back. We'll have a sign up and we'll say, we don't have any PS5s. And everybody else will walk in and go, so I see that you have a sign that says you don't have PS5, but do you have PS5? And it just annoys me to no end. Other than that, yeah, my life is kind of bland, so to speak. Uh, unless I go to like conventions or travel out of town sometimes just to, you know, just travel. Other than that, it's just humdrum. Just a nor- normal average guy. <laughs> I-, I wouldn't say it sounds too boring. I think that some people are actually envy you for doing what you want to do, for example. I mean, the GameStop jam is probably just to make ends meet, like you said. So, and then you write comics. Also, I'm pretty sure that people like Frank Miller and Mark Miller also started somewhere before they went to Marvel and DC, right? So, just... Just keep it up. You you you'll get there one day. So you already mentioned the project you're currently working on. Just tell us a little bit about that. Well, I'm working on a project. It's a uh, side-scrolling shoot 'em up uh, called Pretty Kitty Fuzzy. Funny story. When I made the game, it was actually based on my actual cat named Fuzzy. When I when I tried to conceive the project, I was a little sleep deprived. So I was just listening to like uh, I, I I was listening to music and I had Sailor Moon playing in the background just to keep myself awake and then my cat just kept meowing and uh i think she uh wanted attention so she just kept meowing and i said uh, you know i brought her up onto my lap on while i was sitting on my at my desk and i was petting her i was like you know aren't you a pretty kitty and she was just purring and everything and then i was like you know and then there was something that happened on sailor moon where she, it caught my cat fuzzy's attention so i was like oh i was like oh you want to be a sailor scout and then i just started 
drawing like little concepts and and during my sleep deprivation i came up with the idea of pretty kitty fuzzy so and over time i started working on it i, I and i used to play a lot of shmups way back when i was younger but I, I needed to do more research so i just continued playing them just to see like you know what styles that everybody like you know i like the horizontal i like the horizontal ones more than i liked the vertical ones so i went with the vertical i went with the horizontal ones because i felt that was the one that i would want to see built and i would want to do first so i was learning how to like how power-ups work and you know trying to get an art style down and the game has gone through like four or five iterations maybe where you know, at first it looked like it was hand-drawn and, and people didn't like it. And then it looked like an old Nintendo game, like an 8-bit Nintendo game, and people didn't like that. So it was, over time, it was weird trying to find that balance of what people liked and what they found acceptable. And when we landed, um, when I landed on a look and, uh, you know, sent a, brought a demo to my local uh, game convention here in Syracuse, which was called uh, Retro Game Con, and then everybody was like, oh my god this looks really great this looks way better than the last other demos that you did the music's better everything looks better so it was it was good that over time through trial and error we had a bunch of people you know you know give me honest feedback while some people they didn't necessarily like the game or like shmups in general so no matter what changes i made uh, they weren't going to be happy anyway because the game they didn't they don't like those kind of games i felt like we right now what we have now is actually a really good mix of like uh what what we're trying to strive for for the game before we release it so right now we're just getting most of the assets and other uh resources ready so we could compile it all together and then try to release it this holiday season so what what's interesting to me and this is what I probably didn't tell you. You're talking someone who has a collection of around a hundred physical copies of shoot 'em ups, ranging from the NES to the SNES to the Sega Saturn to the PlayStation to every console imaginable. You could, oh, wow. you could uh, say I'm a connoisseur of shoot 'em ups. And I want to nerd out a little bit right now, because I can. I wanted to ask you first, since you said, okay, I, I played shoot'em ups for research and I decided to not go with the vertical ones, I decided to go with the horizontal ones. First, what I want to ask you, why actually a shoot'em up at all? Because it's such a niche genre not many come out anymore these days well the reason why it was uh so i chose a shmup and it was a more personal reason so my grandfather um he started um getting alzheimer's recently so he doesn't he doesn't remember a lot of things anymore he he has really aggressive uh alzheimer's and dementia but when i was but when I was younger, what he used to have uh, in his old house, he used to have arcades in his basement. So when my mom would send me to, uh, you know, when she would go to work and if my grandmother wasn't home, um, um, when her mother wasn't home, she would send me to my grandfather, which was my, my dad's father. And he had arcade cabinets in his basement. So he had things like Virtual Fighter, Rampage, Gradius, 1942, Defender. He had a whole basement just filled with those things. And I would play the shmups more because he would want to play those games with me. He wouldn't really want to play anything else. So I would play 
shmups, and we would either play Defender or we would play like 1942. And he also had R types, so we would also play R type as well. So those were those were things where my grandfather had those just littered in his basement, and I would actually play them. And I really had fun playing shmups with my grandfather. And that was something that I wanted to do as my first game. I wanted before I've done other games that have that haven't really made it to the production phase, or you know, there was they were too ambitious. So I figured a shmup would be perfect. And um, it was one of the games that my grandfather, when uh, I told him about it, he was really excited about listening to it. Like he wanted to hear everything I had to say about it. And that's what made me happy. So it's more of a reason why I, I chose Schmuck realistically was because of my grandfather. And then uh, seeing him as of late where he doesn't really remember anything. But um, I remember a couple weeks ago when I went to go see him, he asked if I wanted to play R-Type, you know, and he was like you know me and my and, and he was referring to me but he he doesn't remember me so it, it was kind of sad at the same time but also heartwarming because he was like hey you want to play our type you know me and my grandson used to play it all the time and uh it was really it was a really sad thing to actually you know just sit there and i know he's talking about me but he doesn't he doesn't know who i am but that was the first one of the first things he sat down and said because he was like you remind me of my grandson or you know, you know I, we should have we should play our type and that was something that i just you know you know warms my heart and that's why with this project i just want to continue you know finishing it up because when he was of sound mind he you know he and i told him i was making a shoot him up and he's like oh just like the stuff that we used to play when you were a kid and i was like yeah and then now he you know he's not of his mind but he was like hey let's play our type and i'm like wow that's you know i wish we could and i was like you know but he, he doesn't have a machine and you know and it, it's it's a uh, it's it's kind of a soft spot for me is i guess is what i'm where i'm getting at that's why i chose a shmup so much i used to play them way back when and you know that's that's why i really wanted to do it because of him um even when i was younger when when i got when he got me a game boy game the first game boy game that i ever got was r type <laughs> and then, that was because of him he gave he got me r type so uh that's just uh and i've been just uh and i still have that cartridge somewhere too but uh yeah that's why uh i you know wanted to do a shmup because not only am i played them and i was familiar with them when i was younger but after doing research you know i felt like that was the one thing i wanted to do but mostly it's be you know because of my grandfather because without him i don't i don't think i would have been interested in the shmup genre as much as i as much as i uh, did even though it was dormant for so many years you know my interest it was just one of those things i just felt like i just i wanted to do first that sounds that's that's actually a very heartwarming story i like that a lot i i think your grandfather will be proud of you i think he is proud of you. he just can't express it i know that uh, my grandmother also had alzheimer's so i know what you're going through and i feel like you're doing the right thing if that makes sense like honoring your grandfather that way it's really lovely i i really like that so uh on to the next question then which games which shoot 'em ups should i say did you play in preparation for your game so the the games that i've played 
in preparation uh, for Pretty Kitty Fuzzy. I uh, played excuse me, the first game that I the first game that I actually played was um, Odomedius Excellent because it was the one that was most available to me that I could play, and that was for the Xbox 360, and it was from the people who made Gradius. So I figured, like, I was like, you know, our type and Gradius were kind of similar, so I'll play so I'll play Odomedius Excellent, and uh, I actually enjoyed that game. So uh, I played that, and then uh, then after you know playing that game like an idiot and forgetting that I had <laughs> emulators, I was like, oh, I can actually just go and play some of these older older shmups and stuff. So I played a lot of Gradius. I played a lot of R Type. I've played Parodius, which uh, which is a parody of, of Gradius. So I've I've played a I've played a lot of that stuff. I ended up there were some there were some indie ones that I played. I, I didn't know what the names were because they were in like Japanese and some were in Chinese. So there uh, there was like fan made ones and I, I was getting a um hint of that as i was going through the indie scene i've happened to stumble upon people who were actually making shmups there was one shmup uh indie shmup that i'm uh that i was playing that is uh which everybody should really be playing if you actually want something with a a good shmup with a actually really good story uh wings of blue star that's actually a really good game that's on steam right now i believe it's ten dollars right now or it's probably on sale as the by the time of this recording wings of blue star was actually one of the games that i started playing a lot of it heavily and i started looking at how that game was built and see how the presentation and how everything was put together and i actually got some tips and advice from um the developer himself um shinu real art they're actually really good you can look them up on uh twitter or if you look up wings of blue star on steam i'm, I'm guaranteed that you'll probably uh find something about them uh, another game that i was playing and i ended up meeting uh and talking to the developer of that game is fing gun his it's a shoot 'em up uh where you're a finger and you're shooting up everything his had a really interesting take on it i think if you uh if you want to find out more i would definitely look up fing gun if you are a fan of horizontal shooters and uh like I said, I didn't do vertical because verticals were, when I was younger, I think my, where it stems from was uh, they came off a little too hard for me or I couldn't under I, I couldn't understand them. I understood the horizontal shooters better than I could uh, read uh, vertical shooters. And I guess that's something that, uh, you know, was, I guess, a roadblock for me in that sense. I would play them, but I was like, I, I, I can't see them see, make out certain things some of the time. So there's been um, many games that I've uh, sat down and, and played um especially on the scope of like indie and um triple a like i played einhander i played uh gunstar heroes uh there's a um, uh, assault suit uh lanos I i've played some of that there's uh i've played some of the sections of like nair automata where they had like their own their horizontal sh shoot em up sections and then they had their uh vertical shoot em up sections that i've sat down and played so yeah there was a there was a lot of stuff that i uh tried there's a lot of stuff that i tried out for for that game so just to do a lot of proper research that sounds like you did a lot of research did you ever play any of the uh the, or or let, let let me rephrase that does the name cave ring a bell for you yes i've i've heard of that i've heard of uh 
Cave. I've heard of that uh, uh, company. Um, I don't remember a lot of their games because I've like like sometimes I've played like game like when it comes to like um schmucks. I I as much as I play, I only know like one name that comes to my mind is like Treasure, <laughs> and that's one of them. That's that's a about it like i probably played a lot of cave games but i probably wouldn't be able to tell you any of the names if that makes any sense like i would probably know it's a cave game if you told me a title and i probably played it but like as the company i'm like uh there there, there wasn't any that like really stood out to me because i've played like especially when i was younger i've played a lot of them so but at the time i wasn't like you know oh this company you know was you know this company did this or, or whatever so okay and my next question you already mentioned them would have been if if you know treasure basic or any of their games because they are basically still i mean they have or they are still the ones that do like these bigger budgeted shoot 'em ups if that makes sense and still go into that genre for some extent reason and they are for me personally my two favorite companies making shoot 'em ups like i can probably throw names around all day like dodon pachi dodon pachi mojima sama we have uh, Death Smiles 1 and 2, Akai Katana, Ikaruga, there's like a, a lot of uh, their games I I really love. Konami also obviously was big in that genre until the PS2 era, when they released their last Gradius 5, I think. Yeah, so they, they are pretty amazing in that regard. So that that's why I wanted to ask you essentially if you if you have like a favorite game of those companies. But if you say you're not really all into names or whatever, then I, I just skip that question and come to the next question. What well, kind... uh, there's some there's some games. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I used to play because I had it for Dreamcast. I did play Ikagura a lot. I actually still have that game. Actually, I still have my Dreamcast and I still have that game. I played Don Don Pachi. Like like with names. Like I said, with names. Like uh, I didn't pay. Like when it came to the shooters, I didn't pay much attention to them because like at the time I was admittedly going over into being uh, playing a lot of fighting games and uh, I was playing them like uh, in tournaments and stuff. So I was trying to play them professionally at that point. So that's when I kind of like um, me and shooters kind of like had a hiatus because I went from shooters to fighters to RPGs back to fighters. And then now, and then I just started going into game development. So, uh, but I, I, I mostly started out with like playing a lot of sports games until like every time I would play shooters, I would always go to my grandfather's house when when i would go to my grandfather's house i would just go in the basement and you know you know hit a couple credits and then just start playing a lot of uh a lot of the shooters okay so my like my other question would be and what i'm curious about what engine are you using to develop your game well uh like i said the game went through so many iterations so first we started out with 
Unity. And then somebody was like, you should use Game Maker Studio. It's way better. And then we went to Game Maker for a bunch of for a couple of years. And then we went back to Unity. <laughs> so we went Unity, Game Maker, Unity. Um, because Unity had a lot more tools that Game Maker uh, Studio just didn't have. So right now we're just right right now we're focusing on uh, we're focusing the project completely on Unity and we're not we're not changing the engine right now anymore. So like we we have most of the assets we have most of the stuff planned we have a lot of stuff set. That's basically what we're doing for for this game is we are using the Unity engine. So um since you say we you don't work alone. Yes I program a little bit but not enough enough not to confidently program so um i have other programmers too where i do like drawing and design and stuff uh for the project so i make sure like uh, a lot of the stuff is either on task or you know everything fits a certain basically aesthetic that we that we want for the game so yes uh like i do program but like my programming is kind of shoddy so i'm work working on that on the side especially when i'm at gamestop and such i just don't feel like uh, my pro i'm confident enough to program and entire game for a commercial release i could probably pro i can program a game that for a hobby but not like a full length game out and for stuff like this i want to make sure that it's right so there's no game breaking bugs or glitches or anything like that so i just want to make sure that i have a nice game and product for people to actually enjoy where it's like kind of bug free <laughs> and i don't and i don't want to put my programming hands all over it where they're like oh the start menu doesn't work or this this doesn't work and then i'm just like oh crap and then just go back and do something that's what happened the first time i uh when i programmed uh the first prototype and then it was there was just so many bugs and it was just so bad and i guess like when i did the first test run at at a uh local convention and then everybody was like oh my god this is full of bugs and i was like oh my god so this is embarrassing so i just I figured i would just get somebody to help out with uh programming who's more versed in it than i am so you hired someone basically yes correct correct okay but general speaking those are people that are just work for hire and you're basically the brain of the operation doing like you said the tasks driving everything forward just looking that they're on on point and whatnot okay so what i'm interested in is since you you already said it went through so many iterations do you have a design document for the game or do you just basically shoot from the hip and say okay this is going in here and this is going there or do you have everything like outlined in a neat little design bible for the game so in the beginning when i when i first started doing uh game design i shot everything from the hip and then i st uh i started realizing that um maybe i should start making design documents because you get that feed where you get feature creep a lot when you try to shoot from the hip because you know just having a six shooter isn't enough you have to have a shotgun and then a shotgun's not enough you got to have a minigun and a minigun's not enough you got to have a tank so you got to try to you got to try to whittle that down to just having the six shooter in it so you can use your six bullets like efficiently so that's what the design document was inherently that that's why i started doing the design document because if i realize if i keep doing it from the hip 
I'm just gonna keep adding stuff into from shoot like by going from it. Um, just going off the top of my head. If I just kept doing that, I'm the game will never get done, and I'll just never ever ever have a, like a finished product. Reason why it's gone through so many iterations is because when I've had the when I put everything in an actual design document or a outline, and I would go into local conventions and show people and have them play it. You know, I take the I take the criticism very seriously. So when somebody like some people were like, oh well, you know, I don't like you know. I don't like the hand-drawn approach. You know, it's just, it's very jarring. And then and I was like, you know, okay, that's maybe just one person, but enough people that day started saying it to the point where I'm like, okay, maybe I need to change that a bit. And then people were like, we did 3D and people were like, oh, well, everything is too distracting and when it's in 3D. So we had to change, we had to change it from 3D to sprite art. And then when we landed on the sprite art, people were like, oh, I like the sprite art, but you know, I don't like, old nintendo graphics you know i don't like it that i don't like that it looks like an old nintendo game so the game the game over time just started to morph into something else which usually happens when you are in game development sometimes the game that you start out making is not the game you end up shipping sometimes that's the case with pretty kitty fuzzy it's starting to turn into a game that is going to be different from when i first started this game design adventure so that's uh that's pretty much why uh you know um i think if you if you're like me where you just have so many cool ideas or you're taking feedback seriously and you're gonna keep making changes you need to have a game design document um i think that uh a lot of people like well i have some like for example i had somebody who wanted to make video games and i was like hey man uh do a game design document you know it'll save your life and then then they felt that uh they they didn't want to do it and then suddenly they they called me back up and they're like hey man like it seems like this project isn't my own anymore i'm always making because like like i'm always making these changes that i don't feel like you know i wanted to make and i don't feel like i have a clear vision and i'm like yeah that's why you have a game design document because it's like your it's like your bible so like when you when you do make changes at least you know where the changes are going to be made and why you're making those changes so with that in the beginning i did learn a lot while i was doing some coding and while i was doing writing the story and writing and designing the characters and coming up with the plot and trying to figure out you know the endings and uh the uh how what's the best way to get a one credit completion there was a there was just a lot that went into it and me adopting a game design document early is what actually saved me because i don't think i i think i probably would have gave up or i would have probably moved on to a different project and tried to start anew so that i'm i'm kind of thankful that i learned i learned that a little bit early to just get a game design document and that way I can understand if I am making changes, where they're going, where they're coming from, why am I making the changes? Why do people like this feature? Why do people not like this feature? And it gives me a, it gives me a clear path. And, and by doing that, I was able to finish some of the game in like chunks and blocks of it, so. Okay, that that is actually interesting. You're the first one on the show that I ask this question who says, yeah, I'm actually using a design document. So that's, that's, that's kind of interesting. You launched a, it was an Indiegogo campaign, I believe, for the game? Yes, yes, I did. I it wasn't, it. it wasn't successful, right? So how did you proceed from 
or how do you proceed from there after an unsuccessful Indiegogo campaign? What? How do you fund the game? Do you have the funds or is it just where the funds just basically for finishing at once instead of paying basically in increments? So continuing from there, when I did uh, the Indiegogo campaign, it wasn't successful. And crowd and crowdfunding is a different beast entirely that I, I've noticed. With crowdfunding, it, for me, it's a, it's a really hard thing to pin down. I was able to use the funds to get certain prioritized things done. So like, I was like, hey, I need more character sprites done because that's more important because, you know, Fuzzy needs to shoot at things. So I was like, you know, let me let me figure out you know let me go and figure out what i what i need in that regard so i used the funds for the indiegogo to like get prioritize priority like things done so i got some of the sprites done and some of and some ui stuff done but after that i completely after taking the stuff that i need done first it kind of blew through what i've already earned for which was like a meager 450 dollars it was the I basically use the money for what i really needed so while i'm waiting on those assets i just you i just use stuff from my day job continue uh funding the game and such and like doing some of the programming and um get and getting some uh people to like make some of the like artwork for the game as well to, well, to finalize the artwork to make like the sprites and everything because i i've never been a sprite art guy so i just knew how to draw stuff but then like have some people like make sprites out of it so when 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 it fails you just have to keep a you know you just have to keep a positive attitude and you just have to just move forward you know the the grind just doesn't stop because the indiegogo failed you just gotta you just gotta keep it moving it's like game the game development and design is a war of attrition uh realistically and if it you know there's always going to be points where it's going to be awful like you're not you're you're not going to succeed or something's not going to go your way or something happens you just need to you know give yourself some time maybe take a like a day or two and then just jump back on that you know saddle and just keep going so i didn't let the failed indiegogo campaign deter me i just kept it i just kept going like it i never even launched the campaign so and i think that part uh is was why i was able to make some progress on the game was because you know yes there's going to be roadblocks there's going to be hurdles there's going to be setbacks i was able to is i was able to continue going so if anybody else who's probably listening to this is, is uh, looking forward to being a game developer yes there are going to be parts of this that sucks really bad and you just feel like you know what i'm not doing this anymore but if it's something that you really want to do and you see yourself doing i say just keep going it's not worth giving up it's a really enriching experience and also talk to people if you don't know anything or if you have no clue you know you don't have to be the smartest person in the world just ask your peers around you or just ask somebody who who might be able to help you or lend a hand or or something you know give you some sort of like you know olive branch so you could continue your work um and i feel like sometimes collaboration is the best way to cert get certain things done especially if you don't know you don't want to you don't want to not know something and then try to continue doing it and then when it goes wrong then all of a sudden you're searching for answers you just want to you know do the best you can and then when something goes you know something goes wrong after you've done your calculation then you go seek 
seek out that help so then that way and then continue so that way you have a better idea and understanding of where your project is going to go so i i feel that's always important and like i said it's all about you know taking criticism seriously it's all about looking for help when you actually need it and that's basically what i basically what i did i uh took the criticism that i got um a lot of people that were following the, there was a lot of people that followed the indiegogo project but they were like yeah it wasn't enough for me to like pretty kitty fuzzy and you know i didn't think i you know i think it looks cool but it's not enough to for me to put actual money to it so you know i respect that and there, there's been a lot of games in the triple a space that i'm no stranger to saying you know oh I, you know this game doesn't look good enough for me to put money spend money on so i completely got it so it's just like i said it's a it's an it's an entire experience and i, I probably could go on and on and have a ted talk about it but yeah everyone's your it's yours especially everyone else's time is precious so i'll just i'll just end the question on that note so so to sum it up uh making video games is hard shit yes yes it is yes it is <laughs> okay so give me a second <laughs> my brain just zoned out okay so if you look back and think about it which video game did actually make you want to develop a video game Ooh, so <clears throat> the games that really wanted me to make a video game when i was younger there were a lot of games that i wanted to play like i'm I, i'm just in uh, just hitting my uh 40s the games back then made like uh, the apple apple 2 video games and i had a friend who had an amiga he over here he was a a british kid in our in our school and he used to show me all of these amazing games that his uh grandparents would send him over here where i see ghostbusters which I, I was i'm a huge ghostbusters fan so when i saw that i was like oh my god ghostbusters and a video game what is this wizardry that's going on here so he used to show me a lot of those other uh, games and over time i used to like get into the world of like video games and especially games where i would play like number munchers and super munchers and uh dark castle and i used to play a lot of those sort of point and click games and then the game the, the game that really made me and it's weird but the game that made me want to make video games was earthworm gym earthworm gym was the video game that i was like wow this game is nutty it's crazy it looks like people had fun making this game so that's what i want to do i want to make video games so and then i ended up uh finding out who the creator of earthworm gym was which was doug to Naple. and then uh i ended up reaching out to him and actually uh trying to get advice on you know like you know how did you make a how did you come up with a video game character how did you do this how did you how did you do that and he was very nice he was you know he was very nice and he told me like you know what i had to do and how i had to do it to be um a video game developer and like uh how to create like convincing worlds and stories so he was the person that uh that uh, earthworm jim and also to another extent um another game that made me uh want to do it or started the spark was mortal Kombat, only because i was just like you know how did they get these realistic people in this game like that's crazy so that was that was those were some of the games that ended up doing it what made me go like start doing game design and started taking it more seriously or giving it a lot more because when i wanted to do video games my mother was like you know video games you know they that you know that gets you nowhere and you know you need a real job and blah 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 so you know i didn't act upon it and then like when i started uh designing characters i designed a game where um 
I was designing a game where you're this woman and she's half angel and half demon and she had these two guns and a, a sword and she she's a demon hunter by trade and one of the first things she was at this like carnival because there's like a bunch of demons and ghosts and they need to be exercised so I remember spending two years writing this game and uh, me and, and me and my buddy worked on it too because I had a, another buddy who was uh, he wanted to be a game developer and game designer himself so we were sitting down and we were coming up with ideas for like two years I remember and then I remember getting a phone call and he was like, hey, did you check uh, any of the uh, magazines or did you hear about this new game that's going around? And I was like, no, I, I didn't. And he's like, it's it's a game called Devil May Cry. It's kind of our idea. And I was like, wait, what? And he was like, yeah, it's a guy. He's a demon hunter. He has white hair, just like our character, two guns and a sword. He goes around exercising demons. And I was like, you're kidding me no way and he's like yeah made by capcom so i remember i remember going to his house and i just ran right to his house with like like with uh with all the drawings and the story and everything else and i just ran to his house and then i was like show me this game and he was like yeah it's called devil may cry and then like he sh he showed me the magazine and i was like oh my god we just this is literally our idea and he's like well i guess you can't make it now because now we'll be the copycat so i thought that was i thought that was hilarious and that's what made me realize i was like you know what i i guess i'm just gonna start designing games because like clearly we we can you know we have these ideas that are good enough if capcom is and i'm not saying capcom stole my idea or anything like that because you know that that's absurd but the fact that you know i wasn't even you know we wasn't even thinking about it. And we created this project and Capcom was creating a project and then they brought it out. That's what like, you know, lit that fire um, sometime where I was just like, okay, now we got, now I got to start designing video games. Cause I think, you know, they made, I made something and then Capcom made it and it's marketable and it looks amazing. I think I can get into this. I think I could get into this sphere of game game development and game design. So I, I think I could throw my hat into that arena. So I pretty much just started like designing a bunch of things, but like, you know, like my mom wanted me to like, you know, finish up on schooling and she was like, you know, you need a real job, you need, you know, do, if you're going to do anything with computers, it should be IT. So, you know, I, I did a whole, I did a whole bunch of, I did a whole bunch of stuff over time and, you know, and then one day I was just like, you know what, screw it. I'm, I'm old enough now. I'm just going to do video game development and design. I'm just going to work with other teams, do game jams. I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go all in into the video game development and design. And then, um, well, a while ago, I started my own uh, indie studio and then um, and I just started working and uh, I started working on design. And the first thing that I'm manifesting right now is pretty kitty fuzzy. So sorry to be long winded about that, but I feel like there's there's been there's there's a reason why I got into game development. Like, I guess uh, Devil May Cry kind of kicked off the you know the spirit of everything where i was just like i'm oh, gonna do this and you know becoming obsessed with it so but unfortunately you know everybody was you know the societal pressure of you know video games are for kids and that doesn't that's not a good realistic goal to do in life you should be a salary man or you should do this or you should do that so i kind of put it to the side for a long time before i 
I couldn't anymore. So, yep, I guess that's uh, that's what got me into video games, creating video games especially. Impressive. Very impressive. Uh, I don't mind you being long-winded. That's why we're here. We are here to tell your story, essentially. So, before we go over to the industry talk, I would like you to take the stage for a moment and talk to the audience. You can tell them whatever you want. You can tell them about your game again, where we can find you, for example, your Twitter handle. All that stuff is also in the description, but just advertise yourself, is what I'm saying. Well, <clears throat> well, uh, you can go uh, Pretty Kitty Fuzzy. It's actually wishlistable on Steam right now. So if you go to Steam and uh, wishlist Pretty Kitty Fuzzy, three separate words. You can also uh, follow us on Twitter, which is at ninjagate studio that's where our twitter handle is right uh, right now we're working on our website because we had a we had to tear it down so we need it was it was kind of old so we need a we need a new we need a new web we needed a new overhaul for our website so that way we when we do when we do certain things we want to uh integrate like you can log in on our website with your steam account and purchase games on our website and such because we also wanted to do a, a customer rewards type of thing so you earn credits and then those credits can if we release more games you can get so a, a certain amount of money off of um other games and stuff like a discount so we wanted to do that right now um i'm actually writing a comic which is kind of like a manga a girl that gets bullied and then she ends up uh fighting back so it's uh it's basically like uh jojo's bizarre adventure meets baki the grappler meets dragon ball z <laughs> if anything i have to hook in here that sounds like a really wild mixture okay continue yeah no it it, it, it really is a really loud mixture but it, it's 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 definitely something that we try to make work and try to ground try to make more grounded um but yeah you, you can follow you can definitely follow us on twitter at ninjagate studio and you can wishlist pretty kitty fuzzy on steam right now i guess that, guess that's about it for about advertising i'm, I'm pretty <laughs> milk toast as of right now in my current situation but we'll also if anybody's in the syracuse new york area uh we'll also i'll also be at retro game con with a playable demo of Pretty Kitty Fuzzy. Um, we're also going to try to launch a playable demo of uh, the game by the end of the summer for those who've wishlisted and wanted to learn more about the game. So that is stuff that we are currently working on. But uh, like I said, if anybody's interested in game development and design, there are many tools out there. Uh, I would encourage everybody to, um, if you go on Facebook, there's a group called Indie Game Development and Talent and, you know, uh, Indie Game Showcase. Those are actually really good uh, groups where you can link together with other people to make your dream project i will also uh check uh game maker studio um take a uh game maker studio 2 i believe uh take a look at that let's go over to the game industry talk just for a little bit so you know that the gaming industry probably or you know probably that the gaming industry is in turmoil at the moment like there's a lot of change happening so what what is your least favorite change at the moment or your least favorite thing that happens in the gaming industry and your favorite thing well my least favorite thing and i don't know who started this um it's telling the fans that they suck and for all the wrong reasons i mean um i think that's one of the things i started noticing more and more where developers are starting to get more emboldened to do that which they they make a game or made a game in the past and 
they tell the existing fans who've kept that game relevant that they don't want their service or they don't want their money or they suck or they're racist or misogynistic and all this other stuff. And it's like, those people do not want to hear that. Like that's, I don't know who started like cursing out fans, but I, I feel that that's a trend that really, really needs to stop. I mean, these are the people that have you know poured countless hours into the franchises and games that you've made into to really tell them to piss off is like i don't know when i see it it's it's kind of really weird to me because i mean if i if i have fans um if i if i had fans that like really appreciated my game you know i would you know i would welcome everybody with open arms but to like to sit down and say well i don't want the old fans anymore i'm i'm gonna go get after new fans i I think that's kind of like a little disrespectful. I mean, um, there's many changes in the game industry that are going on. Um, I I don't like the I don't like the fact that most of the systems now are just like uh, you don't really own games anymore. And I think the industry's moving away from that. And I I don't like I don't like that at all. I mean, PC crowd, I guess they're used to it, um, but for console i would definitely just like to own my games there's like there's like way too much stuff going on in the game there's so many changes in the game industry that you know it from top to bottom needs to be really changed or reformed i mean there's just so there's just so much go there's just so much going on right now i think on the consumer and um developer publisher level there's things that just need to be changed like um for example like uh like we we hit the 70 dollars price hike now um for a lot of the games now and, and pretty soon most of these games are going to be like a hundred bucks so i mean like we we need to find a way to like have you know more you know more variety and more like middle of the ground games because it's either the game is like either 70 bucks or it's like 60 bucks and there's not much in between i guess we've i guess that'll probably change because we're in a new generation and we haven't gone halfway through it yet but i just feel that i just really feel that there's just a lot of stuff that just needs to be changed like there needs to be you know publishers and developers need to actually you know if there's a game that people want you should like develop the game and make the make that game for the fans and stuff like it's the gaming industry is just a big mess right now and, and in all honesty i wouldn't know where to begin so that's another reason why i wanted to get into the gaming industry i hope i i'm successful enough to where i can actually be in a position to create actual change in the industry because there are things that i would like to see on both sides like happen as somebody who works at a GameStop and you know i get to see the customer in interactions and why you know people ask for certain games and then i go well they don't make that game anymore they're not interested or you know be me being an actual customer and seeing you know what i would like and what i wouldn't like and also being a developer seeing the whole entire landscape of the uh gaming industry where you know what what do people actually want uh special editions like all these crazy editions that these uh developers are putting out like the old the special edition and deluxe edition and deluxe deluxe edition and ultimate super deluxe edition and i'm like okay guy like you could put all that in the game for 70 bucks you you didn't need to put that in the game for 30 dollars more you could have put it all in the game and i would have been perfectly fine with that um but yeah no i think that i think the gaming industry needs a an actual an actual overhaul because i don't i don't think that the 
the gaming industry the gaming industry is going down a really bad path and i would just wish that there were ways to stop it but as a little guy i'm only a drop in a bucket it has to take a it has to take a whole effort in order for that to like for that change to actually happen so yeah yeah i agree but i feel like to, to come back to one point that you made i feel like that this um telling i mean so just to acknowledge it because people will inevitably point it out yes there are toxic fans and yes they do bad things but um also i feel like just telling fans to basically get fucked uh, is something that is prevalent in a lot of industries at the moment. So, yeah, I, I feel you there. I feel you there. Yeah, I, like I said, I don't know who started that trend, but um, but and and it's a and it's a bunch of people who aren't buying the games. Like they they just like say they do, but they they really don't like buy the games. And it's like you shouldn't listen. You like I guess yes, you you should take the criticism seriously, but you don't listen to people who never cared about your game or product in the first place if they never cared about it or they never bought it um then why are you appealing to them is my thing like there was like like for example there was one person when i went local game conference uh, convention uh i had pretty kitty fuzzy on display and then he was he played the game and then he was like oh well i think the game is okay but i don't like shooters what you should do is make it a game that's kind of like mario and i said oh okay and then he was like and I also don't like anime, so I don't know why, I don't like the fact that it looks like an uh, anime, and I, and I don't like Sailor Moon. And then he, basically he was telling me his game, and it basically was like, I don't like shoot 'em ups I don't like anime, and I don't like pixel art. So that was his big complaint. And then I was like, okay, thank you, I'll, I'll take that under advisement. But I was like, you know, that was a criticism that if I would have made those changes, he wouldn't have liked the game anyway. But there was people that were like you know that came and were like you know that had actual input that would like buy stuff like that they're like oh well you know it it feels a little too loose fuzz, like you know fuzzy moves around a little too loose on the screen you know it's got to feel tight or you know all uh, the power-ups they're a little op so you know there's there's people that you can listen to and people that you know you can you can listen to but you know you take their criticism with an actual grain of salt and i think uh and i think there's also people like gamers who are disguised as hardcore fans or hardcore gamers that try to get in to try to blend in. And then when they try to interact with the hardcore fans, then it's like, oh, they're not really a hardcore fan. And the hardcore fan is like, oh, you, you need to do this and you need to do that. And they're like, no, I don't want, I have no interest in it. And then I guess they go around complain, like trying to keep up the guys that they're part of the community, part of the hardcore gamers when they're, they're actually not, or they have no interest with it. I've seen that happen with like a lot of like fighting game communities for certain things and where they were, they were never really a fan. And then like, when they're like, oh, hey, like when the fan tries to welcome them or tries to, you know, get them in and they're like, no no thanks i'm i'm not it's not that serious and then the fans the hardcore fans kind of go into a little frenzy because they're like oh well they tried to be welcoming and then you know they, they either go about their business or some people take it personally and it's like well that person if you're if you're going into any community i think you should always make your intentions known like i'm only into this a little bit 
I'm not, I'm not gonna be that hardcore into it. And I think and and most people, you'd be surprised how many people be understanding about it. Be like, oh, okay, and leave you to your devices because you don't plan on going all in. Either you know you're not planning on going hard into the paint with it. So I think that there's a there's always a miscommunication with the casuals and the hardcore. And the casuals try to come off as they're hardcore, but they're casual. And the hardcore tries to get them to be hardcore. And then there's resistance. So there's kind of like a resentment to that. So it, it's it's really weird from what I've what I've personally seen in certain in certain group in certain aspects of like the gaming industry or gaming fandoms, I should say. So I, I've I've seen stuff like that where you could take a group of hardcore gamers that are welcoming, and then a group of casuals can completely make them toxic, like right there, almost like almost on the spot. And and then the casual goes like, well, they weren't welcoming, and it was like, well, you weren't trying to be well, you weren't trying to be welcomed in when they were trying to welcome you in. So it, it it's on both sides. It's kind of like a really really awkward situation where i'm just like this is like especially like i've been in parts where i'm just like Ugh, this their interaction is not looking good this is gonna go south really fast so i've seen that at conventions i've seen that at tournaments i've, I've seen that at like little like other events or like like outside like or like at arcades and stuff so it's 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 really it's really it's really it's really weird is what i'm getting at like there, there needs to be work on both sides of the aisle like it's just you know if you want to be welcomed, you need to make yourself welcomed into the community and you need to start learning the lingo and getting into it. And if they're hard, if you're a hardcore gamer or a hardcore fan, if they're not that into it, then don't make a big issue out of it. They're just not that into it. They they like they like it at a cursory glance and they like to see it from afar. They don't want to be, you know, all into it like you are. So I think that's where the I think that's where sometimes it comes in with toxic fandoms. The, the most of the time that I've seen, that's where it basically boils down from. And some people, you know, some people have anxieties or anything like, or, or other little quirks that make it hard for them to properly interact with people on both sides. So it just comes off as like misguided attempts or like bad communication. So I feel like people should, in that regards, and fandoms should make their, you know, intentions known, so to speak. That, yeah, that sounds reasonable. I, I will actually agree to that. So. Um, is there any famous last words before I ask you the two final questions? Uh, no, I think you can go on to the, uh, final questions. No, it's actually three final questions. So. Oh, three final questions. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what's your favorite game of all time? Oof. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Um, <laughs> my favorite game of all time. Um. I have to say, and it's weird, and people probably won't understand why. Yes. Uh, Alan Wake. Alan Wake would be my favorite game of all time. I I will 100% applaud this choice because Alan Wake is an absolutely amazing game, and it's probably up there. Like I can't name a favorite game of all time. I could do it, but if I would think of Alan Wake in that moment. I probably would name it. Yeah, um, yeah, because it's it's in my it's in my top five all time. With um, but it is my definitely favorite game, you know, of all time is Alan Wake. Alan Wake is my most favorite game. The the pacing, the storytelling, and the, and the reason why I also like it is because it feels like an actual game. Like it doesn't try. It, like all these other games are like it's this linear story with open world elements. 
with MMO free to play stuff in it. And I'm like, all right, no, you're you're just doing way too much now. Like Alan Wake was it, what you saw was what you got, and it told an amazing story in a small package, and it, and, it, and, I, and, I, and it doesn't try to be anything else. And that's why I loved Alan Wake. It doesn't it doesn't try to be anything else. It's pretty linear. Um, it, it has some really good elements to the game. It also sets up uh, future games in a future universe, um, which you you don't find out till you play like Control. Um, so yeah, like I, I I love Alan Wake for that reason for that many reasons alone. Um, then uh, you know I have my other games in my top uh, other four games in my top five, but this is a game about my favorite game of all time, and I think it's Alan Wake because Alan Wake was is perfectly what a lot of games Ellen Wake is what a lot of games should be especially if you're a story-driven experience a lot of games should be like Alan Wake agreed absolutely agreed so what was your scariest or let's say spookiest encounter while playing a video game or in a video game it can be both one of the two so um so this actually is actually a true story so me and my brother we were playing resident evil 2 and it was we had a we were my brother was he was kind of scared of like little games like that and i you know i heard like resident evil 2 was supposed to be scary so at the time i wasn't playing a lot of scary games because i had a low temperament so i was just like oh my god like this game is creepy it's scary and blah 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 so uh we got our mom was, our mother was at work and you know we stopped playing the game and we were we went to playing like nba showtime stuff and we the lights went out in our house and we started hearing noises around around the house so we checked the basement because we we lived in this uh two family uh apartment building we checked the basement and we thought it was the people from upstairs because they had kids and we thought they were like messing with us because they could from their upstairs they have a back they have a back stairs that can lead to our back door that leads to our back door and then it also leads to the basement so we sat down and we um we checked we checked we saw nobody we went in the basement there was nothing so we kept hearing all of these like creepy sounds and everything through most of the night and then we started hearing creepy stuff in, uh in the front door so we unlocked the front door we went out we checked this we you know we closed the front door we checked everything and then as soon as my like we looked and every, we looked around for everything nothing happened uh we found out the neighbors weren't even home because we tried to knock on their door and they weren't even home there the car wasn't out front um and you know their, their normal light that's usually on on the inside was like turned off so we were like oh they're they're actually not home they went out somewhere so me and my brother tried to go back into the house and like shit you not the door was locked and there's no way to lock the door unless somebody was on the other side and locked the door so we sat out there we sat out at night until our mom got home and my mom and my grandmother and my uncle and they got home and then my mom was yelling at us and we were like we can't go in the door is locked like that's why we're out here so my our mom was just like yelling at us and then my uncle was laughing so he opens the door and just walks in and me and my brother looked at each other and we were like no 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 we literally 
opened the, we heard something. We came outside. We tried to open the door. The door was locked. To this day, my mom thinks me and my brother are alive that the door was locked. But it wasn't locked. It was just always open. We were like, no. I tried to open it. We could. I couldn't open it. My brother tried opening it. We couldn't. And we were like, we. There was no way for us to get into the house. I was like, we heard something. We came out here. We, you know, we literally, you know, the the power was out. And my uncle was like, the power's not out. Everything's on. And we were like, me and my brother were just like freaking out that whole night. I think we didn't even go. We did. I don't even think we went to sleep that night. I think like my brother was like so scared, like. Like he had all the nightlights on in the house, and we were just like in the, we were just in the room, just like watching TV until like morning time, and then we just went to sleep. But we always thought that was crazy how like the power went out, the door locked, and we just sat out outside on the porch. And then as soon as our mom came and she was mad, she was like, "I told you not to be outside. You were supposed to do this." We were like, "No, no, no." This this is what happened. And then our uncle just opens the door and just walks in. And me and my brother were just like, so every time they like, every time it comes up, like my, like my uncle's like, remember when they just, you guys sat outside and you wanted to like be outside. We were like, no, we didn't want to be outside. Like we had no choice because the door was locked. So it was, it was a crazy, it was a crazy situation between me and my brother. We talk about it. We usually talk about it. Like, especially like on Halloween and stuff. We usually talk about that because like, it was like the most funniest thing ever. We were, my brother was like, and this is why my brother doesn't play Resident Evil 2 to this day. Like he will, he will never ever play that game that's like a superstitious thing for him now like if you like let's play resident evil 2 my brother's never playing that game like you you can offer him i think a million dollars or you can offer him a small country and he will never play resident evil 2 because of that night like that is one of the freakiest things that happened to us so i would so it's, it's just it's just crazy okay that sounds yeah it sounds crazy actually so last question and this is a thought experiment, so bear with me here. You are invited to the United Nations to speak on behalf of all video games. What would you tell the United Nations about video games? Uh, I would tell the United Nations, make them lower the price of video games and stop with these me paying 60 bucks and then you're doing free to play elements that's what i would tell them uh realistically i mean if i if i were to do that i would more make an impassioned speech about how video games helps people in their day-to-day -day lives helps them escape um and i think we should keep it that way like um so i think video games is a form of escapism and that's what it should always be just like you know movies and comic books and tv and sports and all that i mean you already dealing you're already dealing with the the crap that the real world throws at you you don't want to keep being bombarded by it every day you know you need to, you need to kind of check out at some point and i think video games allows you to do that i mean video games can teach video games can inspire video games uh can actually um let you do make you do things that you never thought you'd be able to do before and on a positive note mind you um it's it's one of those things where i feel video games to me falls in under the uh the old quote beauty is in the eye of the beholder you know you you take from video games what you personally take out of certain things in life um there's video games that you play that reflect to certain things with you in life there's some people that love to play horror games because they like you know the macabre or like you know they like to think or like there's some sort of like 
existential meaning to a lot of that. Or some people like to play a lot of casual games, you know, because they want to, you know, want to have fun. Some people are very competitive, so they need a video game to actually help them with that competitive edge in a healthier uh, standpoint. So I believe that that's what video games can provide an offer to, you know, other people. Um, most of the time if i were to go to the united nations i would mostly just be like hey there's certain practices that just need to stop but other than that i wouldn't i wouldn't be i wouldn't change a thing about video games in in all uh, in all honesty outside of the predatory practices but other than that I, I wouldn't really change a thing. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't even waste my time going to the United Nations because, you know, I feel that everybody has their own accountability and their own agency. And if you play video games, you know, vid video games, the amount of good that comes from video games, a lot of people seem to overlook that because it's when something goes wrong and there was a video game that's involved, it's easier to go around and blame video games. But um, most of the time, normal people don't do much of the negative stuff. That's why they play video game rather than shoot somebody that you don't like i would rather you go play grand theft auto and take your frustration out on a bunch of hookers or pedestrians and then you go off about your day the next day or you know you uh want to play a fighting game to see who's the best and maybe you might make a career out of playing fighting games for a living or you know you play a shmup and maybe it might inspire you to make an actual video game of your own that sounds like a good speech i i'd love to listen to that because the united nation needs needs uh hear more like uh, stuff like that okay yeah I, i'm yeah i'm gonna wrap up here it has been a joy talking to you and i want you back once your game is released so let's stay in touch and i want you back once Pretty Kitty Fuzzy. Once Pretty Kitty Fuzzy is out, we are going to talk again. What do you think about that? I, I'd love that. I'd love to do that. Okay, that sounds wonderful. And everyone, thank you for listening to the ArcoCast. I'll be back probably next week with a new guest, so stay tuned. And for all the things ArcoCast, follow me on Twitter, at ArcoCast. And for everything else streaming-related, because I stream on Twitch, Please follow me on Twitch, The Orcosaurus, and on Twitter, The Orcosaurus. So thank you everyone for listening, and bye-bye. Bye-bye.